More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, happy to be with you as always. And as we kick off today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, it's going to be a little bit of a tough discussion, not necessarily because the subject matter is so difficult to understand or because it may be triggering to you, but actually because we're kind of stepping into something that might seem a little bit political or a little bit partisan. And so I want to say right off the bat that sometimes we have to have tough discussions when it comes to sexual abuse. Um, that topic by itself is tough to have a lot of the time, but there are so many things that affect survivors of sexual abuse. There are so many things that we go through, and there's just a lot of subject matter that's difficult to tackle. And honestly, I have put off recording this episode of the podcast because I honestly wasn't sure that I wanted to wade into any territory that might make it seem like I am using this platform for a political purpose or a partisan purpose. Uh, that is not my intention at all in the least. But you know what? I decided um, after talking with some people who listen to the podcast and um, actually an extended family member who was very helpful in a discussion with me, and I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to shy away from tough topics. Um, I never have when it comes to sexual abuse. And I'm not going to start now simply out of worry that I'm going to step on toes or hurt somebody's feelings. And if you know much about me, I'm like a people pleaser. I don't like hurting anyone's feelings. And that can sometimes be a good thing. And then sometimes it can also keep me from saying things that I feel like really need to be said. So on today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, we are going to talk about vaccine mandates. And I know when people hear the word vaccine, it is so polarizing. You have a group of people who thinks that like every vaccine is the safest thing that's ever been invented. And if anybody has any questions about anything in the vaccine, like they're crazy. And then you have a camp of people who uh, kind of believe that any and every vaccine is the worst thing that's ever happened to humankind. And there's just a whole lot of fighting and bickering back and forth in a couple of groups, like a couple of camps. And usually there's a, an extreme on one side and extreme on the other. And then we all just fight and, you know, joy to the world. <laughs> well, the purpose of this podcast today is not to discuss with you whether you believe that vaccines are wonderful or terrible. That is not the point of this podcast whatsoever. We talk about sexual abuse and we talk about the effects of childhood sexual abuse in life. And we talk about things that affect survivors of sexual abuse a lot of times in different ways than they affect other people. And so this is a topic that I have wanted to hit on for a while now because it's something that's been affecting some of the survivors that I know and me as well. So 
when I say we're talking about vaccine mandates, it is not to get into a big political discussion or tell you that you should be a Republican or that you should be a Democrat or that you should vote this way or that, or, you know, that you should believe vaccines are horrible or that you should believe that they're wonderful. What I do want to talk about is how some of the recent laws surrounding vaccines and what's changing in the workplace for a lot of people is affecting survivors of childhood trauma and specifically survivors of childhood sexual abuse. So as you probably know, if you ever watch the news or if you ever talk to another human being, you probably know that the Biden administration is requiring businesses of 100 or more employees to require their employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. So that's going to probably cover about two-thirds of the private sector workforce. And then if you are a federal employee or a federal contractor, the mandate applies as well. And it's just millions and millions and millions of people who are affected. And again, I'm just going to put in here, not pro or anti Joe Biden or his administration, not pro or anti-vaccine. However, I work for a company that is nationwide And while the office that I work in does not have more than 100 employees nationwide, we do. So technically, our business falls under that mandate. And while all the details haven't been ironed out, when this very first was announced several months back, the business that I work for kind of just jumped the gun, I guess, maybe to get ahead of the game. And they had already been circulating, you know, memos and questionnaires wanting to know who was vaccinated, who was not vaccinated, who was planning to get vaccinated. And I mean, you know, kind of annoying, but not necessarily life altering. But when I got the email that essentially told us you have until this date to get vaccinated, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, There was a very slight something or other said about a religious exemption from vaccination. But essentially, it was if you want to work here, you have to get the vaccine, the end. And when I got that email from the powers that be in my office, basically saying you have until this date to get vaccinated at the end, like I had a visceral response in my body. I cannot explain the feeling that overtook me and the reaction that I had in my body, like a physiological response to being told, like, this is what you have to do. And I struggled with it for a little bit, kind of just, you know, talking myself down from the way that I felt. Because again, when I tell you that I'm not anti-COVID vaccine, I'm being 100% positive, I have encouraged many people in my life to get the vaccine. Um, I had to make that decision for myself as well. And it was not something that really had to do with whether or not I thought the vaccine was wonderful or horrible, if that makes any sense. It was entirely about the fact that I was being told I had no choice in what I was going to put in my body or I had no choice in what medically was going to be done to me. And I had these little arguments with myself because I was like, you know what? You're not against this vaccine. You've encouraged many people to get it. Um, It wasn't like I thought that the vaccine had the mark of the beast in it and it was going to be injected into me and I was going to spend eternity in hell. Like, I mean, I know there are some conspiracy theories and there are some things that people think that are kind of far out there, but this feeling didn't subside. 
And as I started talking to some more survivors of sexual abuse and kind of hearing their feelings, including some people that I work with who are survivors of childhood trauma, um, the feeling that they were experiencing was kind of the same thing. And I had one person who actually had a panic attack when they finally went to get this vaccine because they were afraid that they might lose their job if they didn't. And they actually had a panic attack, like sitting, waiting to have the vaccine. And and when they went for the second uh, shot, they actually were messaging me and asking me to pray for them, you know, as they went for the second shot. And just the discussions that I had with people, it was a sense of this feeling like a helpless feeling almost. And it kind of took me back to some of the least empowered feelings that I've ever had in in my life, which might seem weird to someone who's never had their bodily autonomy denied. But if you have, which every single person who has been sexually abused has, you might understand what I'm talking about as some of the other survivors that I've spoken with have relayed to me. Body autonomy is basically like the fundamental human right. It says you have control over your own body. And we teach that to children, right? Because we want them to know like, okay, you don't have to hug that creepy person that wants a hug. You don't have to let this person touch you. We teach children that they have this a choice and they're empowered with control over their own bodies. It's okay to say no, even to adults. It's okay to make their own decisions over their own body. Bodily autonomy is a human right, and it's actually the building block for every other human right in existence. Bodily autonomy gives us the right to make decisions for ourselves, decisions for what we're going to do with our bodies. And you know, maybe this doesn't seem like a big deal to somebody who didn't experience sexual abuse, but when you've gone through sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, I would venture to say abuse of any kind, You are always robbed of your bodily autonomy every single time that you are abused. As a six-year-old child, when a grown man decided to use me for his sexual pleasure, I was robbed of my bodily autonomy. I didn't have the choice to say no. I didn't get to choose what was happening to me. I didn't get to choose how that was going to affect me for the remainder of my life. That's something that was taken away from me. So... I started to realize that this visceral response in my body to being told like you have to do this with your body and it doesn't matter if you want to or not. It doesn't matter if you, you know, have looked into the science of this and you kind of would like to wait until this is studied more. It doesn't matter if you have reason X, Y, Z for doing this. It's being decided for you that this is what you have to do. And especially when there's fear involved and there's coercion involved. Because a mandate says you have to do this or else. So then there's the fear of, oh my goodness, if I don't do what these people want, am I going to lose my job? Oh my goodness, if I don't do what they're asking me to do, is there going to be this consequence or this consequence? You know, it's a very powerless feeling. And it's a feeling that your body is not your own and you don't get to be the one who decides what you do with your own body. And as I talked to more and more people who were really affected by this and really upset by this, I realized that I wasn't alone. And I realized that this is something that 
everybody wants the right to bodily autonomy. Everybody wants the right to be able to say what they're going to do with their own body and what they're not going to do with it. So even if a person has never experienced sexual abuse, even if a person has never experienced abuse of any kind, there may be a similar like visceral response because, hey, nobody's ever told me what to do with my body. Like, what are you doing? But for people who have been stripped of their rights to make decisions about their own bodies, I think that it might hit just a little bit harder. I'm honestly disappointed. And again, it's this is not like a political statement. It's not a condemnation of a party or even a vaccine. Um, I've encouraged many people, as I mentioned, to get this vaccine. And I've done a lot of reading up on it researching ingredients, doing different things. So again, not a condemnation of the vaccine itself, but it's super disappointing to know what little regard is given to bodily autonomy when it comes to mandating things like a vaccine in the workplace. And I was super disappointed with my employers because they didn't even wait like to see, you know, how it might play out, you know, before the decision was even finalized. It was just like, boom, we get that email. This is it. This is what you're doing. And there was very little, if any, consideration for the fact that it may be difficult for some people to accept that in order to keep my job, I have to do this thing with my body that I may or may not want to do. But now I'm afraid that I'm going to be unemployed in the middle of a pandemic. So I'd better hurry up and do this. And it just really disappointed me. And not just a feeling of disappointment that they did this, but the fact that it brought up trauma for me, that it brought up those helpless feelings. You know, as survivors of sexual abuse, a lot of times if you talk to some survivors, it almost feels like we have difficulty making decisions for ourselves sometimes. And, you know, a lot of times this is something that as you mature and as you grow and as you heal, that you may be able to get away from. But a lot of times it's almost like you don't trust your own opinion. You don't trust your own intuition. You don't trust yourself to be able to make these important decisions for yourself because, again, you have been robbed of your right to bodily autonomy. Someone has just taken that away from you and decided for you. And when that's your experience throughout life, a lot of times it can carry over when you become an adult and you should be able to make these autonomous decisions uh, suddenly you know, you're second guessing yourself or you're unsure. And so that's something we work a lot as as we heal. And as we deal with the things that happened in our past, we learn to trust ourselves, we learn to trust our intuition. Again, we learn that, okay, I can make these decisions for myself. And just because somebody took that decision away doesn't mean that I'm unable to decide things for myself or that I can't trust myself. So it's a really big deal to survivors of sexual abuse, when you begin to trust yourself again, when you begin to trust your own intuition, and become confident in making decisions for yourself, decisions for your body, decisions for your future, when you embrace that autonomy that was taken away from you. And I never thought that I would have anything to compare to that in my workplace. I mean, maybe if you are harassed or you are mistreated somehow by someone in authority over you, or you feel like maybe your job is threatened, I mean, then maybe something to compare it to. But for me, um, never thought I would be able to draw comparisons between, you know, being sexually abused as a child and having my body used and 
had someone making decisions for it and for me that I didn't have any say so in uh, and my workplace. Never thought I'd be able to compare those two things, but I will say that this situation has definitely brought up a lot of those feelings. It's a powerlessness. Like, I don't have the right to control this, and this is somebody else that is making this decision for me, whether I like it or not. And it's not a good feeling whatsoever. So, I wanted to talk about this for a couple of reasons because I think that a lot of the survivors of sexual abuse who listen to this podcast might actually be able to relate in a sense. Like if you haven't been put in a situation where you have to make this decision, like, oh, do I keep my job or do I get a vaccine or do I speak up and talk about how I don't think it's right? Because for me, it's much more about my employer's willingness to just strip us all (laughs) of our autonomy and of our right to make decisions for our own bodies. Um, It's more about that than it is about the vaccination itself. Again, not anti-vax, not anti-COVID-vax. I am anti-forcing someone else to do with their body what I think that they should do with it, whether I agree with them or not. You've probably seen the memes floating around Facebook um, or whatever social media you're on. It's like, be kind. You never know what battle someone is fighting or something to that effect. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this on the podcast today, because I think that with really polarizing topics, when it, I mean, sexual abuse can be a really polarizing topic itself, but when it comes to things like vaccines and then political parties and all that craziness, like you can get into some really like people with very strong opinions and who are just really angry at each other and don't want to listen to each other and two sides uh, on two extremes, you know, fighting it out, duking it out. And a lot of times our compassion and our empathy gets lost in those arguments. It gets lost in those battles. Like, I believe this and you need to believe it too. And this is what I want. And this is what you need to want too. And it's impossible to have compassion for people, to have empathy for people if they have to agree with what you think about a vaccine or about anything else, you know? And so I think that we need to be really careful, especially when it comes to survivors of sexual abuse, to kind of be understanding when we're struggling with, oh, you know, my employer or the U.S. government just made this big decision for me um, and I don't have a choice. Like, I have to do it or I don't get to have a job. And of course, there are always you know, details and arguments on each side, you know, oh, this is really good. You're going to stop a pandemic. You're going to, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. But a lot of times when we're just focused on the facts or the opinions that make our argument the correct one, we kind of forget about the human beings that are involved in this struggle. You know, it's not as easy as science. Sometimes it's not as easy as, oh, this is a really good argument. You know, it's human beings and all of our trauma And that can complicate things quite a bit. So I would love to see us have a little more compassion for each other and empathy for each other when it comes to things like this. You know, it's easy to write people off as being, you know, oh, that crazy anti-vaxxer or to write people off, oh, that crazy liberal who thinks everybody should get vaccinated, you know, but there are actually human beings behind every belief system. There are human beings behind every idea. 
And I think that it's important for us to keep that in mind. And so I just, I wanted to touch on this this week, just because I know that a lot of survivors were struggling with this, like the idea of, okay, I mean, I can either do this or lose my job. And while it may seem like, it may seem like nothing, like to me, like, okay, you know, you you have a better chance of not dying if you get this vaccine, you know, like you look at the numbers in the hospital and most of the people who are hospitalized or who have to be ventilated are people who are unvaccinated. And you can look at all that science and be like, yay. But at the same time, if you're stripping people of their right to decide what they're going to do with their body and what they're going to do with that information, it becomes more nuanced and it becomes more complicated. So I can believe all day long that it's helpful But I can also believe that forcing people to do it in order to keep their livelihoods is not something that I'm ever going to be in support of, especially not as a survivor of sexual abuse who knows exactly what it feels like to, to be denied body autonomy. So because this discussion is like, it's definitely like you're stepping into the political realm. There's nothing that you I can do about that. Um, it just, it is what it is. You know, we're talking about something that's very polarizing. And I wanted to talk about it from the perspective of a survivor of sexual abuse who may struggle a little bit more with something like this and the reasons behind that. But there are a lot of instances where sexual abuse and survivors of sexual abuse can be politicized or used as political weapons. And so on the next episode of Survivor Sanctuary, I am going to have a very special guest, my cousin Joshua Yoder, who's actually been on the podcast before. And he actually has his own podcast, Unbinding the Bible. And he is a minister and he's going to be joining us. And we're going to chat about the politicizing of sexual abuse, the politicizing of trauma. And he has some really great thoughts to share on all of this and kind of keeping partisanship out of advocating for the sexually abused and how we can do that. He has some really great thoughts to share. So I'm looking forward to the next episode. And I would love to hear your thoughts. I know, again, this is a super polarizing subject. And I felt like I needed to say it a thousand times. And I feel like I need to say it again. Like I'm not anti-vax or pro-vax or pro like whatever or anti-whatever. This is simply a discussion about how it feels for a survivor of sexual abuse to be denied bodily autonomy. And I think it's an important discussion to have um, as all of us know what it feels like if you're a survivor of sexual abuse to have that stripped away from you. And it's a trauma trigger, whether we want it to be one or not, whether it's convenient for a podcast or not, whether it's going to make everybody happy and agree with you and want to sit in a circle and hold hands and sing Kumbaya or not. It's a reality that we deal with. So I wanted to talk about it today, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, whatever they are, you can share them on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page. All you need to do is if you're not a member yet, is search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast, and there's a multiple choice question that asks you what this podcast is about. And it's definitely not about race cars, which is one of the multiple choice (laughs) answers. So if you can correctly answer that very easy question, I will add you into the group and you can join and give us your thoughts on today's podcast. So thank you so much for joining me for a sticky subject for something that's not super easy to talk about. I appreciate your time as always, and I will catch you next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. 
Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.